0: welcome to the iot podcast brought to you by MarketScale. i'm your host elmer guardado on this episode we're sitting down with industry veteran jonathan pine he's the ceo of renova technology a company that focuses on component level repair and rework of complex and often proprietary circuit boards our main topic is going to revolve around service challenges that hold commercial security integrators back However, we're also gonna get into how Renova broke rank and innovated in the data analysis department and break down the current industry landscape and better understand where it's going. How you doing, Jonathan?
1: I'm doing very well, thank
0: you. So Jonathan, I think a good place to start would be to just explain exactly what Renova Technology does and is, right? Because you've been there from the start from what I understand, right?
1: Uh, Yes, I founded the company.
0: Awesome. So let's uh, let's kind of go into that. To the uh, for the uninitiated, what what is Renova Technology setting out to do?
1: Well, Renova Technology is uh, first of all we're a twenty four year old aftermarket service company, and our core focus is the board and component level repair of uh, rather complex electronics, and also the collection of detailed repair data. Uh, We've been, this is all, of course, in the B2B industry. We don't do any consumer-based products. And we function in the security, gaming, uh, toll-taking, transportation, and point-of-sale industries, to name a few.
0: So, I mean, 24 years, that's quite a while. What do you think are some of the uh, main Changes we've seen in this industry that have uh, affected Renova the most
1: the aftermarket service. That's a good question By the way, the the aftermarket service industry uh, Seems to have inhaled and exhaled over the last 24 years such that the services that we provide originally were provided by the manufacturers themselves and Then they outsourced uh, these various services and that gave birth to the third party repair service company, which is somewhat what we would be called as well. though those typically involve field service as well, which we do not provide. And then later, uh, as the economy changed, uh, manufacturers took the business back inside and viewed it as a profit center rather than cost centers, uh, as they had previously. And then a few years later, they outsourced it again. So when I say inhaling and exhaling, it's been a, a fairly predictable process or of, of outsourcing and insourcing the business of supporting one's products uh, as they are in the field. And it's been challenging in that respect. The latest and the last most difficult challenge was the outsourcing of so much of this repair business to third world uh, countries.
0: And is that a trend that has just gotten more and more popular and consistent throughout, or?
1: Actually, over the last few years, uh, a lot of this work is coming back into the US uh, for a number of reasons. Certainly now we have tariffs, there's the, the concern about uh, the NAFTA agreement. Uh, much of the repair business went to Mexico. And then there's a tendency uh, for manufacturers now that they want to have services provided very, very close to them. Uh, and that is because the speed of service is very important to them.
0: And as, a, as an outsider of the industry, you know something I've noticed is that it definitely feels like Generally speaking, people are more in touch with uh, the nuances of, of, of technology and, 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 and the things in their lives. So have you felt that the uh, general demand for this has shifted at all? Has it remained consistent? What have you noticed?
1: Well, certainly the end users are for, far more demanding in terms of uh, lead time when products that fail need to be replaced or repaired. And that is because their customers are far more demanding. Um, there's a rule, for example, in the in the point of sale market or the retail market that uh, if one is standing in line to check out at the grocery store and there's more than five uh, people standing in line that one needs to open another cash register. Uh, that, over time, has diminished to three people standing. Of course, they don't always open them, but what that really translates to in the service industry is that a retailer cannot afford to have uh, a cash reg- register or point of sale device that is not working simply because their customers are more demanding in terms of time. And that, that analogy applies to almost every single industry security, uh, toll taking, it really doesn't matter. And, and you know another
0: thing I, I've also noticed is you know this this industry has been expanding and growing at a you know insanely fast rate and you know it seems like we're seeing uh, constant streams of, of mergers and acquisitions and restructuring. How, how do you feel that this is affecting the overall industry? Is it a, a good thing, a bad thing?
1: I think it's a very good thing the first of all the security industry is far less mature it's far younger than any of the other industries in which we've been operating for the last 24 years it's on a very rapid growth rate and that is because because of uh it's the nature of our world now security is such a a very very important factor and the acquisitions uh, the constant swallowing of one integrator by, uh, by another one uh, actually results in a greater homogeneity of services. It results ultimately in efficiencies, which drive costs down to the, the ultimate consumer. That's very important. And I think it also drives technology.
0: Is there any fear that this uh, could one day get out of hand and we can see, you know, monopolies forming or, or a lack of competition in the marketplace.
1: Ultimately, this happens within, within any industry. But right. the, ultimate, uh, the ultimate coming together so that there are perhaps three or four uh, and then eventually down to two major players in the security industry is years and years away. It's far too competitive right now.
0: So before we get into our, our, our main topic, I, I definitely want to talk about one of the, what seems to be a, a, a super defining moment for the company, right? R- Renova eventually broke the ranks from from what everyone else was doing. And, and not only was were they collecting detailed repair data, but also analyzing it and sharing it with the customer, which I didn't realize was uh, necessarily a super unique thing at the time. So can, can we talk about that a little bit? What was that moment like for you, right?
1: Because you were definitely playing against the majority at that point, right? Absolutely. In approximately 20 years ago, uh, we were struggling to find a competitive edge for a small company. And of course we had been collecting detailed repair data uh, for quite a while, but we had never shared it with our customers, mainly because like so many of our competitors meant much of the products that we received in uh, at that time, really were not having problems they truly were not broken and sharing that information with the manufacturers who were our customers all of our customers would have driven our costs down or driven our prices down uh, we took a chance it was terrifying but we shared the detailed repair data with our major customer at that time and as a result, instead of driving our, our prices down, as, as I had expected, uh, we were rewarded with much larger volumes. And it allowed us to become much more sophisticated in the data that we were collecting and providing to them in the form of analyses, such that they actually averted uh, some major epidemic failures in their products across one of the largest retailers in the country, in the world. for. Uh, in truth. And also later, um, they used this data in order to drive additional efficiencies, engineering design changes, etc. Within the security industry, we collect the same data and make it available to our our customers as well. But because we're working primarily with integrators rather than manufacturers, they're looking at the data a little different. the repair data is being used to determine efficiencies across branches, uh, across field service engineers, but also in order to predict the medium time to failure of specific products uh, across all of their customers. It's very helpful.
0: So was this move coming out of a uh... Cause you know it, it it almost makes too much sense, right? That it worked out in your favor just because of of the kind of customers you're serving, and you know that that kind of transparency does bring a uh, you know a, a, a more a, a more compelled customer to you, right? Someone who who does want um, better service and transparency. Was this coming from a, a place of, of, of frustration or, or or desperation at the at the time, just because of how competitive everything was?
1: Well, I certainly wouldn't want to confess to desperation, but because we weren't desperate at that time. Uh, my management team got together, and we were looking for differentiators, and this was simply suggested. Uh, at that time, the power of data uh, was just really being discovered uh, in the uh, third party service or the aftermarket service companies. And so this was a strategic move. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's fascinating
0: that, you know, I think in retrospect, everything seems so much clearer, but this it, definitely just, it, it's good to see good things being rewarded, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. So so that that, that that's amazing. And what did it feel like at the moment, you know, like it, it, it obviously was a calculated move, but how much of a, potential risk was involved right because i think you know if no one else is doing it then there's always the question of then
1: then why do it right it was a very risky move there's no doubt about it but it was rewarded and uh, it's really one of many many chances that we've taken of co- over the course of 24 years some have been fruitful some some have been punishing but that's what one does in business in order to move ahead and continue to differentiate one experiments one tries new things and always in the with the purpose of helping the customer and if one has customers who are partners and we always seek to have customers that that act as partners rather than uh well rather than not being partners it usually results in very favorable uh, outcomes, uh, such as uh, enabling them to retain their customer base, enable them to drive efficiencies, uh, which of course they're going to want more of. And so it binds us closer to the customer. Is this
0: something that you've seen um, other companies try to emulate since then?
1: Of course, all companies. Uh, wish to do this? Everybody wants to become indispensable to their customers, and at times we are lucky enough to find the ways that we can be.
0: So, Jonathan, let's get into uh, our, our main topic, right? Which is going to be service challenges that hold commercial security integrators back, right? And I think uh, before we get right into it, maybe let's let's define some of these things, right? Like, w- what kind of service challenges are we are we looking at?
1: Perhaps first, it's best to describe the context in which these challenges arise. For example, you had asked the question how uh, end users and how customers have evolved over time, and it's true. End users are quite savvy with respect to technology. We've grown up more with technology, and and end users have begun demanding that the life of commercial security equipment, uh, that it extend longer Uh, way beyond after the warranty period, more than ever before. In respect to your question, uh, to which my answer was we all seek something that binds us closer to our customers, integrators have determined and seen that service and maintenance contracts have become very much more strategic in obtaining competitive advantage against uh, their competitors. And that's very important. And then lastly, the, the security industry, the, the technology is developing and has developed so quickly over over the last 10 years that the portfolios of equipment that are maintained have expanded in both size and scope. And they typically exceed the specialized core competency of any integrator. Uh, no one integrator can, can maintain all of these different uh, devices from so many different manufacturers without having to rely upon others. So it's in that context that we have the challenges that they face.
0: So uh, let, let's, let's go ahead and uh, b- break that down a little. W- what are some of these challenges?
1: I break it down into really four. Uh, these are the ones that we most frequently encounter uh, and as a result, uh, and when I say frequently encounter, uh, it's probably the sampling would be approximately sixty integrators, security, commercial security integrators, uh, which would include perhaps four out of the top ten in the SDM 100. Uh, but there's a certain commonality in the challenges across all sixty. For example, first challenge uh, that we hear is that a newer and existing customer says that uh, if. If the integrator is going to win the new installation project, it's entirely contingent upon their being able to take on the maintenance of the existing legacy infrastructure. Uh, that's quite a challenge. Uh, another challenge, challenge number two, is uh, the service agreement, the existing commercial service or maintenance agreement requires that they repair replace the parts. Uh, in other words, they become responsible for that legacy equipment, um, such as high-cost cameras, DVRs, access control, and it's the replacement of that older technology and the reintegration, of or, or the integration, or the integration of new technology into that legacy structure that drags down their service profits. And if they turn to the OEMs uh, to repair. OEMs are not necessarily available to support these integrators as much as they could be, and repairs take too long and cost too much, so ultimately the uh, the commercial security integrator is forced into a position of having to buy a new product and replace it. Uh, Third challenge is that the customers want, as I mentioned before, they, they want extended warranty. Uh, The OEM's warranty on equipment under current service maintenance agreements typically runs its course in three to five years, and the end users want another two to three years before they're ready for for a massive refresh of all of their technology. Uh, The fourth one we hear a little less often because it's, it's more narrow, specific to the financial industry, and that The financial industry, banks in particular, break their market up into multiple integrators uh, who cover certain regions, certain geographical regions. And in that fashion, they're able to play one integrator against another integrator in order to drive service, their own servicing costs down. And that is a big challenge for um, big challenge for uh, security integrators who are trying to obtain competitive advantage against another.
0: Yeah, and that that that's interesting. Just because of I think what you brought up at the beginning, right? The context is is super important because we're probably living in in, in you know th- things are, are are probably only going to get more and more. Uh, I don't want to say complicated, but but generally speaking, I think, you know, we're only going to see more and more of the, the this kind of tech penetrating people's lives, right? So I guess that that's definitely good for business, but is is the the, the turnover with this kind of technology a, a a fear is it is it something that uh is actively thought about because I feel like the turnover period has only gotten shorter and shorter, right?
1: Yes, it does. Uh, truthfully, the sophistication of the equipment is and the growth of the sophistication is quite dramatic. Uh, but integrating new technology into an existing environment or a technological environment is expensive. Uh, customers and our customers, such as security integrators and their customers, the, the commercial enterprises, they wish to maintain a certain homogeneity across all of their equipment because it makes it much easier to manage and they need to be able to stay up with the newest trends uh, such as biometrics or when when in access control it moves even to uh, uh, other forms of identification. Uh, still, that comes at a certain cost. So, Ultimately, the customers customers want to maintain the functionality of what they have in place until the last minute that they have to replace it.
0: So Jonathan, the last thing I want to touch on before I let you go is, uh, you know, this is another kind of big topic, but feel free to answer it in, in any way you want to. But what are some of the the best practices in, in commercial security return, refurbishment and repair that you think are are either, being ignored, overlooked, or, or or just not being used as efficiently as possible?
1: That's a good question. There was a very good study by Aberdeen, which is a consulting firm uh, that, uh, that publishes uh, quite a bit of research about different service organizations. And though I'm unaware of anything that they had published uh, about the security industry, uh, the results of some of their studies of top service organizations and when I say top service organizations, I refer to companies such as what was IBM or, or or Xerox or any of these major, major companies. And they always came, they always determined that the best in class organizations, were those that had developed a very, very good reverse logistics supply chain so that they could support and repair or replace product aftermarket that was in the field uh, quickly and efficiently and at a good cost. And we're finding that the larger, the largest of the SDM 100 uh, and let's say the top four out of ten secure commercial security integrators have developed or are developing uh, a very sophisticated reverse logistics strategy and by reverse logistics what I mean is when something breaks in the field they either, either get it in and get it replaced or get it repaired very quickly and in that fashion they are able to keep their customers very happy. Uh, the second, uh, the second factor is that Aberdeen had pointed out was the collection and the use of data about uh, the aftermarket. And it enabled them to once again drive efficiencies and reduce costs. And we're finding that the, the same largest commercial sec- security integrators are also beginning to make uh, a great deal of use of this data in order to optimize their branch operations, in order to minimize the time that it takes to to service a customer. Very, very important. And then lastly, uh, the data uh, that they can obtain from a third-party service organization, should they be using one, uh, that data can be used in order to facilitate, facilitate the uh, assimilation of an acquired commercial security integrator. And that is one of the, their biggest challenges in this industry is with the acquisitions one of another, integrating that acquisition in a very, very optimal fashion is challenging and takes quite a while. And it is the data uh, that is so very important in enabling that integration.
0: Well, Jonathan, it was an absolute pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for your time. We, We
1: appreciate you coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.